covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We come your way for another week's worth of uh, Brewers talk. Still not a whole lot going on, although there was a little bit of news this week. We'll get to that coming up in uh, just a moment. Our featured guest this week is uh, Journal Sentinel and JS Online trending sports reporter J.R. Radcliffe as he makes a return to the podcast. As always, our housekeeping items here at the top of the program. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. So the news of the week, the Brewers were able to avoid arbitration with Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff. According uh, to reports, uh, Hader is going to make just under $7 million, $6.675 million, according to a report from MLB.com. And Brandon Woodruff will make $3.275 million this upcoming season. Going to arbitration, never a good thing. Uh, It's just, I I shouldn't say it that way. I guess at some point in time, it probably is a good thing, depending on uh, what happens. But Generally, each side likes to avoid it. That would be the better way to say it. Generally, each side likes to avoid it. It's not a great situation more often than not. And especially in a year like this where just everything is so up in the air, to be able to get these deals done makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of question marks about whether or not Josh Hader is still going to be a member of the Brewers uh, when the season gets started next year. We'll just have to wait and see. It's a it's a significant percentage of the overall salary that's going to be uh, given to Hader, especially in a year like this year where we expect the overall payroll to be a little bit lower than it's been in uh, previous years, and that's true across all of Major League Baseball. But uh, either way, Hader has his contract for the upcoming season, as does Brandon Woodruff. The other uh, bit of news from the past week, Jace Peterson uh, signed a deal to remain in the organization. Minor league contract invitation to uh, big league camp. He appeared in 26 games last year for the Brewers, appearing at first, third, left, right, and also a little bit of time at uh, second base as well. They love the players who can uh, play multiple positions. And uh, this uh, they also reached an agreement with uh, Daniel Robertson, according to uh, sources. And Robertson's another guy who can uh, play a number of positions. That is, uh, it's, it's just it's what the Brewers do, right? I think we're all kind of waiting to see if they're going to be able to find an everyday first baseman, everyday third baseman kind of guy. But when it comes to individuals who can go play a lot of positions, the utility guys, they have that, uh, they'll have that portion of the roster taken care of based off what they've done so far here uh, in the offseason. So those are kind of the bits of news this from uh, the past week with Peterson and Robertson and the deals getting done for a uh, hater and Woodruff and, We just kind of trudge along here in what has not been a very hot stove for the most part uh, across baseball. A deal here, a deal there. DJ LeMahieu was able to work out a deal uh, with the New York Yankees. But there's just, we knew it was going to be this way. It will be a narrative and it will be something that we continue to talk about on every week basis. There's just not a whole lot going on here at the moment. Well, as mentioned, our featured conversation this week is with JS Online trending sports reporter J.R. Radcliffe, who's 
spending a little bit more of his time here recently focusing on uh, the Packers, a little bit with the Bucks, and also uh, some good things happening from a college basketball standpoint, obviously, in the state of Wisconsin. But always enjoy talking to JR about the Brewers. And I was looking, uh, based off the last time that uh, I made a uh, connection with them when we, uh, when we connect here, that uh, it had been since August since the last time that we actually had him on the podcast. So it's been way, 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 way too long since uh, getting him on. We're we're, uh, very happy to be able to uh, welcome J.R. Radcliffe back on to uh, the podcast. J.R., really appreciate you uh, taking some time. How are you? I am good. It has been a while. I I didn't even realize that it had been so many months. uh, I've missed you. What have we we been talking about in the the interim? (laughs) You know what? Not not a lot has changed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a lot has it's pretty much the same thing same thing i'm looking at the same four walls every day <laughs> yeah i mean we can't talk about justin smoke that's about it did we talk about him in august was he still a brewer in august <laughs> i think so yes he was in august he wasn't in parts of september if i can uh if i remember correctly you're justin a smoke you're... May, may he long live brewer's legend justin smoke brewer you're giving him legendary status here I, at this point, at this point in the pandemic, literally everything is a legend. Everyone and every. I, I wanted to, ha- I wanted to have you on for a lot of reasons, but uh, we're in this world right now where there's there's not a lot to talk about, and your job and uh, very focused, I'm sure, on on Packers and, and and Bucks and other things here at the moment. But your job as the trending sports reporter is to find these trending topics. What, from a brewer standpoint? Uh, in recent history, has uh, has come across your desk and your computer screen. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. There's just nothing to say right now. And and I mean, I've done an occasional podcast with Tom Hodricourt, Brewers beat reporter, you know, at, at JSOnline.com, and we've we we've been able to to cobble together some conversation topics. But but so much of it is is forward looking. You know, it's it's what's going to happen when the season starts, if the season starts on time. Uh, you know, we, we slide in some conversation about the wall of honor and the walk of, you know, the, the walk of fame, things like that. Um, but but yeah, there's just not a whole lot to say. And it's it's hard to it's hard to find that enthusiasm when, you know, you're talking about a team that isn't making a lot of moves. Most teams right now are not making a lot of moves. So it's 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 hard to project anything. It's hard to feel like there is an actual MLB offseason going on. It certainly doesn't help the Brewers cause that the Packers are going to play for a Super Bowl. They're going to play for in the NFC Championship game. The Bucks just signed their superstar for five years, and even though they're not like clicking on all cylinders, they're still one of the best teams in the league. The Wisconsin Badgers basketball team is really good. I mean, I mean, why would we, why would we talk about yeah. the Milwaukee Brewers right now? So, quite honestly, there there is not much to say, not much to look through, and um, you know, in a way, it's it feels a little bit. It still feels a little bit to me like it, it felt when when things were locked down in the first three months of what would have normally been the baseball season and there was nothing to talk about. And it's all like, you know, finding interviews with old old players and stuff. I mean, that's that's there's just no hook on the on the current team. And and I'll be really curious if if there is an opportunity to get fans into the stands, obviously, it's going to be a slow rollout. I don't expect there are going to be a packed opening day or a packed stadium really at any point in the first part of the season. But I mean, once once we kind of hit what we would call, I don't know, nor- some sort of normalcy, are, are fans going to go to the games? Are fans going to be excited about this Brewers team? I mean, certainly they'll be like, let's go to the stadium because we can now. There's going to be that wave. But it's 
it's it's really hard to picture what happens with this Brewers team going forward and with everything labor labor you know the dark clouds of labor stoppage on the on the horizon like I don't I don't know what to expect in terms of fan interest once we, once we get going with this season. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a multi pronged deal too. And one part of it is, will people come back or have we been? Is it going to take a little while, even when we're mostly vaccinated and when from a safety standpoint, it is the the very smart people, the scientists and the doctors are saying you can get together in groups again. Even when we get to that point, I'm curious how many people are, are going to feel comfortable doing it or if it's going to be like right now, if you're watching on TV, I was watching a game show the other day that was clearly filmed prior to the pandemic and the host goes and like hugs one of the contestants and it's like oh that that feels uncomfortable <laughs> like how long is it going to take for that to, to to come out of us as a, as a culture yeah i think we've even seen it a little bit in, in wisconsin because at first we couldn't go to restaurants then restrictions were peeled back for better or worse i mean you know no judgment on, on what what was going on with the, with the with whatever's going on with the state government and it's not like people just surged out to the restaurants. People don't want to mess with this. They don't want to. They don't want to deal with it. And then I think what you what you said is interesting about seeing this on TV and, and having that like sense of anxiety we didn't have before. Uh, I was talking with somebody about how we know uh, how it seems like there's so many more people out walking their dogs than there were before. And I don't know if that's true, but one of the reasons I think I noticed that is because I notice people more than I've ever noticed before. I notice how close. I I am to people more than I've ever noticed before. You know, there is a, that sort of like silent alarm that goes off in your head. Like, Ooh, you know, I'm in the grocery store and I don't, I would normally like just reach past this person or like say, excuse me. Now it's just like, nee, I'm going to stay back. I think when we get to games, that is going to hit hyperdrive. We're going to be there and it's going to be weird because it's like, I don't want to be near all these people. I don't want to be in a throng of people trying to find my seat or in line at the concession stand. I mean, even even if people are brave enough to get out there to the game, I think they're going to figure out once they get there. A lot of folks are going to figure out once they get there. I don't I don't like it here, you know, and at some point we're going to feel comfortable again. At some point, you just got to believe for the most part, we're going to get back into a groove where we start to feel normal in groups of people again. But that, we are so far away from that point. And, and even if you do get people brave enough to go, I, I don't know how many people are going to be like, wow, that was super fun. I want to do that again. Um, because not only, you know, not only that, not only what I just described, but it, it will be lighter because you're going to have at risk groups of people that don't want to go. You're going to have people who are just like, let me just give it a year before I do the whole like big crowd thing. I'll go outside and I'll go to a restaurant here now and again, once we're back to sort of quote unquote normal, I'm not going to do a big crowd thing. That's, that's crazy. Um, certainly you'll have people who have no problem with it whatsoever. If they're going to go there, it's, it's going to be fine. But, um, I do think that anxiety and that, I don't know, paranoia is probably too strong a word, but we're, we're a long way from right. I mean, this is, there's going to be some scars <laughs> and, and before we, uh, before we can like really envision a stadium full of people, that's surging roar of a big home run or whatever. Like, I, I think we're, I think we're t- a year, two years away from really feeling comfortable with that again. Yeah. I'm looking forward to like, just like you said, I'm looking forward to going to the restaurant. I'm looking forward to going to the gym and being able to get on the treadmill and not be wearing a mask like that. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to the big things quite yet. There's, it seems like there's multiple steps to get to, to where we eventually want to be. Yeah. You know, I think of like Summerfest, that's never going to happen in 2021. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to hope for it. I know they were going to try to expand it after we obviously lost it in 2020, but like there won't be music tours coming through Milwaukee in late June, early July, or whenever it's scheduled. That's not happening. You know, the state fair, like I, I, I'd love to be wrong here, but that's not happening. 
happening either in 2021. I, I can't imagine it does. Uh, there are going to be a lot of things that we are, use as sort of markers of normalcy in our summer that aren't going to happen. And I, I do think baseball will be part of that. I, I just don't see massive crowds at any point at Miller Park. And, and again, I, I would love to be wrong. It would be great if we could if we could experience the normalcy as soon as summer of 2021. But with as slow as the vaccine rollout has been and, and just simply like common sense telling you people are going to take a while to get back into the groove. Man, I, I don't see it. I, I don't know. I don't know when we get like full on normal baseball again. I was thinking about this the other day because next weekend would be the weekend of the Brewers on deck event. It always happens between that open weekend between AFC NFC championship and the Super Bowl. And um, when when the Brewers canceled, I'll be honest, when the Brewers canceled it, I I was thinking to myself, really? Why are I understand the logistical issues that go along with uh, trying to put together this kind of event and probably the, the notice that you have to give. But at the same time, nothing else is really going on. So if they, they, they can, it's, it just seemed premature to me at the moment. And now I look back on it and I say, OK, they knew exactly what they were doing when they when they made that decision. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of plane tickets. Gets a lot of, like you said, logistics to get players into Milwaukee for one particular weekend. And, and you know, you got to rent the space in advance and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I guess you could kind of understand. I agree when they said it, it's like, man, that is a long time in the future. It is wall to wall people in there. It is it is like the you know prototype event that you've got to be careful of. When you're when you're talking about the era that we're in now, it's obviously not outdoors. It's a lot of people who are cold and kind of huddled inside and um, they, they, they pack that place. So, I, it, 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 yeah, it did make sense to me when, when they canned it. it was, it's also a non-event. I mean, it's obviously fun for fans, but this is an, an inessential event for for the season and everything. So uh, you could you could see it. But I mean, now now that we're in January, like there are things that have already been canceled deep into 2021. And, I'm you know, there's going to be more. There's going to be concerts canceled. There's going to be all kinds of stuff that we thought we would come back to in 2021 that we didn't get to do in 2020 that are going to start getting canceled one by one and, and probably sooner than it did last year because we know the scope of this. We know how difficult it, it has been to, to sort of get these numbers down, get the get the case counts down and stuff like that. Um, you know, as I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope we're we're all drinking, drinking beer in, in Cathedral Square in Milwaukee in, in late summer, storming the Bastille. I, I hope all that stuff comes to pass. Yeah, uh, I just uh I, I just I, I just can't see it. I feel like 2021 is basically 2020 with a little bit extra tinge of hope. That's all it's going to be. I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are, but, but I'm not confidently optimistic. I'll say that. And I think everything you're saying, it, it just depends on, on the vaccine and how many people and then the, mm-hmm. the comfort level. But from a baseball standpoint, the, the, the other kind of part of what you were saying when we got on this tangent was, the team wasn't compelling last year. They were a postseason club, and I, I still I will stand by forever and ever and ever that being a postseason team is an accomplishment. It's not the greatest accomplishment. It doesn't mean <laughs> that you haven't accomplished what you want to accomplish. But there are there are certain levels of accomplishments, not just like you either are or aren't. Like there there are levels. So I will always and always and always forever say that being a playoff team, there is a level of accomplishment that goes with that. But at the same time, I think we can all agree. A sub 500 team, uh, a bad year from Christian Yelich. It was a it was a non compelling team last year. Do you think the results of last season play into some of the disinterest that we're seeing right now? 
Absolutely. Of course. Cause, cause the one thing you could say that the Brewers have, even if they, if they sign no other free agents and they would, which, you know, like everybody in the NL central, they haven't, they haven't done anything. They haven't added anybody that's raised your, you know, raised an eyebrow. The one thing they had is Christian Yelich, you know, signed to this long-term deal. And I mean, yes, they have Hader and, and Devin Williams and, and Keston here, but Yelich is, is obviously the, the main, the headline. And when you sign a guy to a super long-term deal, you want those first couple years to be the best years because obviously the guy's going to get older at that point and his numbers are going to trail off. You know, in baseball, when you've got those massive, you know, long-term contracts, it's all about those first two, three years when you're going to get peak value. Well, the Brewers didn't get that, and half because the season was cut, you know, cut into a tiny little, you know, portion, and half because Christian Yelich just wasn't very good, and it's not clear that he's going to be super good next year either, you know. So without that certainty coming off 2018, 2019, you would have been certain that this guy's going to be a star for years and years to come. Without that, it's it's hard to really, you know, even get behind that part of it. So so yeah, that that certainly. <laughs> that certainly figures in like how can you say that this team which has made no changes and was a losing team last year how can you say that this team is going to be better this year it's uh it's it's definitely a puzzle it didn't seem like this team was going to hit a gear after the first 60 games like it wasn't like oh that you know if this were a long full-term season maybe maybe you could see this squad start to round into shape and be a competitive team it, there, there was no sign of that <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't happening through 60 games and uh, it didn't seem like it was going to happen beyond that so yeah this is uh this is it's tough it's tough to feel great about the milwaukee brewers but the only good thing you can say is the rest of the division also looks terrible so maybe they find the same sort of thing that they found this uh, this past season, but uh, that's that's obviously not a not a big vote of confidence. My favorite nugget so far, and this was tweeted out by uh, Dan Sabrowski, who uh, who works for Fangraphs. So the two highest zip projected zips projected WAR of any NL Central signing so far this offseason. Number one is Daniel Robertson, and number two, <laughs> Jace Peterson. So the Brewers clearly have had oh the God. best offseason of any NL Central team because they've signed the guys who have the two highest projected wars in the division. <laughs> uh, that is that is horrifying. That's horrifying. Like, what? And there's already, there's rumors swirling that the Reds now, it, it sounds like this is not a done deal or close to being done deal. The Reds are going to move Luis Castillo or try to, and they've already started selling off, you know, Raziel Iglesias and, uh, Trevor Bauer is not going to be back. Like if, if the Cincinnati Reds sell all their parts, honestly, who wins that division? Who, who's who, no one's trying. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the Brewers do actually win by default. I mean, they are there. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe they actually are in the, in the conversation, but yeah, that is, that is a black mark on the NL central. The one thing you could say is the, the off season is going to go deeper than it ever has before. You ha- we just have to have this uncommon patience, February and March. There are going to be some moves made that absolutely dictate what happens in the regular season. So in a way it's just, it's just a wildly incomplete picture. And, and I think we kind of know that. So, so there's, there's some waiting to be done, but yeah, right now the NL central looks like it's an absolute race to the bottom. It feels like the brewers and Cardinals are treading water. The reds and Cubs are doing whatever they can to do to get worse. And the pirates are just one of the worst teams in baseball. But right now to me, it feels like the brewers and the Cardinals are the teams that uh, are, are, taking the slowest step back if that makes any sense yeah i guess i guess i mean i i i couldn't even i couldn't even project how this division shapes up maybe the maybe the pirates actually rise to the top through all of this <laughs> uh it is it's absolutely impossible to project because the brewers if, if you want to take them seriously you can say their 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 rotation is fine if you believe corbin burns can replicate what he did uh 
Then they've got him and Brandon Woodruff. That's two solid, if not ace level starters. That's pretty good. If Josh Hader does come back, which honestly I would have never put money on until I saw how slow this offseason was moving, even slower than I could have imagined. You know, then then their bullpen has two of the best arms in baseball. They've got Josh Hader and Devin Williams. That's nice. So the pitching staff is fine. The offense, if if Christian Yelich and Keston Hira hit this year, have theoretically two top level bats. They have no corner infielders. They have an outfield that's set, I guess, if Lorenzo Cain, you know, it sounds like he's coming back. So they, they've, they've got the roster certainty. The, the offense is not is not good, but it is passable with the with a decent pitching, you know, a decent rotation and bullpen. So, you you know, you could say that's that's fine. That's OK. That that would work in a division where all five teams, all five teams are not trying to you know do anything. Uh, so that's a, that's something you could say. I mean, heck, maybe maybe July rolls around and this team is, is leading the division and, and we're all gung-ho about it again because, first of all, there's no other sports distracting us at that point, and the team is the best of what's around. I mean, that's, that is actually – that's possible in this case. Yeah, and I, look, I get accused of being a homer all the time. I, I work for the flagship, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like the track record of this organization is when they are – when they've got an opportunity to make themselves better in a in a modest kind of way, more often than not, they find a way to do it. And this year, it's going to be a lot of modest contracts. So I still feel like if if there's something out there, as we're getting really close to spring training, or spring training's already underway, and you've got a fringe all-star first baseman out there, a fringe all-star third baseman out there that finally has just made the decision that, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to take a one-year deal and try again next year. I still, until it doesn't happen, I still believe the Brewers could get involved in something like that. Yeah. I mean, David Stearns is, that's kind of, that's kind of, you're right. He's sort of the guy who, who is able to find those value signings, or at least he's demonstrated he can do that. And, and like I said, maybe February, March is where those deals happen this year. The, the one thing that would concern me about that is you look at the list of guys who are available and you wonder, I mean, there, there's no obvious candidate for what you're describing for that guy yeah. who's just looking to take a one year deal. I mean, it, by war, I believe I believe Eric Sogard is the second best third baseman available behind Justin Turner. So I, I mean, no offense to Eric Sogard, fine, fine utility player. But that seems like it seems like you're not going to get the guys to fill the spots that the Brewers would need, which is, which is certainly like third base would certainly be at the top of the list catcher. Maybe, um, you know, I guess anywhere you can find another bat, but I, I don't know if those guys are out there. I think you, you'd probably be talking about, you know, maybe a stealthy trade here or there. That's, that's why I still think Josh Hader being on the table would, would make a lot of sense. But, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't know what team is, is interested in that right now. You know, Hader making more than 6 million a year now in arbitration. <laughs> Obviously that's a, that's a deal when you, when you have one of the most special relievers in baseball, that's a deal in a normal year in, in a year like this, where no one wants to add any money whatsoever. It's hard to really say if there's going to be a, a trade partner on the table for something like that, at least to get back what, what the brewers would determine to be fair value. So um, I, the, the job is so complicated this year. It's so difficult to, to build a contending team with the, with the financial restraints everybody's feeling. There's a lot made on social media about a question that David Stern's got about can the can the payroll accept the six million dollars that, that Tater's going to make? Yeah. And it, well, I, it's it's kind of funny, but at the same time, like I've got no problem with that question being asked. And in this year, I don't I don't think that is a a ridiculous question. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it is 
it's it's a, it's not that the question's a problem. It's just frustrating that baseball has gotten to a point where that would even be something you would need to ask. I mean, Josh Hader, for what he's given you, one year, six million dollars, that is the biggest of bargains in, in in a vacuum as we've understood baseball to this point. With the way that obviously with the pandemic and with all the way economics have have flown, you're yeah, it's it's a it's a much more you know it's a question that that deserves an answer and that stinks. Like it stinks that the Milwaukee Brewers. That, that Corey Knable is making five plus million a year from the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is not a risk. That is a, that is something that the Brewers should have been able to afford. Uh, and, and, you know, he isn't a guarantee because he's coming off of injury, but Corey, Corey Knable is somebody that you'd like to think the Brewers would want in their plans. And they basically said, it's not worth the risk at 5 million a year. That's preposterous in a normal year. And right now it's just not. So that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that the question really is a problem. It's, it's just frustrating that that baseball is in this position or feels like it's in this position. You know, I'm sure there's still plenty of pushback as to whether, you know, whether or not owners are in as financial dire straits as they want us to believe. Uh, but but this seems to be outside of like three or four teams. This seems to be just the league wide MO right now. Nobody's buying. Nobody is taking on money contracts. And uh, this is what we're left with. Last thing for you before I get you out of here and. Jim Goulart, friend of the podcast, mentioned this to me uh, the other day. He taught, he mentions on occasion um, the Walk of Fame stuff and the, the lack <laughs> of movement there. And I know you had mentioned earlier that you had uh, a conversation with Tom Hodricourt about that. And, and Tom said before that he thinks – it seems like everybody who's open about it has said that they kind of lament that more people are not honored in that way. Do you have a I, – I have a ballot. Do you have a ballot on that one? I do not. No. Hook okay. me up. I got to get one. I got to get a ballot. Okay, so I do have a ballot on, and I don't. I think we can say who we vote for. I I'm very liberal in my voting. When I first started voting a few years ago, I think I was a little more conservative, and then I would see things that were you know tweeted out or said by other people who have a vote, and I started really expanding the amount of people that I think I voted for over 10 people this year. Actually, I can look one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. I voted for 12 people this year. So I, my big thing is I don't want to be the reason somebody doesn't get in. If somebody <laughs> comes up one vote short, I never want to be the person that was the one vote that stopped them from getting in. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. And, and I think, uh, everybody who talks about it points out how liberal they are with the vote. They vote for, you know, something in the neighborhood of 10 guys, eight to 10 guys. The, obviously we don't know a lot of details about who is voting. There have to be people associated with the organization who are much more restrictive with their vote because it seems like those in the media who are voting are voting for umpteen guys. So it's, it's kept nebulous on purpose so that, you know, so that they can tweak the rules I imagine or, or tweak what they need to without, without, you know, fully making people aware of what goes into this vote. But I, there are just so many people out there that need to be, that need to be in, in that place. And I love Jeff Jenkins. I loved watching him growing up. Great player. I, I think him being in opens the door for a lot of other guys who are better, you know, more meaningful players to the Brewers organization. I mean, two guys, two guys for me, George Bamberger. I mean, they, there is a team called Bambi's Bombers. That was the first good Brewers teams. They, George Bamberger is, one of the faces of the Milwaukee Brewers franchise, not anymore, but he certainly was in the, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s. Everybody in Milwaukee knew that name. And that's a guy that absolutely has to be in there. And Mike Caldwell, who's part of those. I yeah, vote. Mike Caldwell. Yep. I mean, that guy could have won the Cy Young in 1978. Absolute star and, and doesn't get credit, I don't think, because, 
you know, I guess I don't know why, because he, he was on the team in 82. I mean, he, he throws a shutout in game one of the World Series, you know, practically nearly throws a one hitter in game one of the World Series in 1982. I mean, he's a guy that just for whatever reason isn't remembered as one of the, the stars of those late 70s, early 80s teams, the way that some, you know, the way that Yount and Molitor are. So those two guys have to get in. It's just mind boggling that they're not. I don't know who's not voting for these people. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I can respect, obviously, that there's, you know, you want it to have a measure of, you know, you want it to mean something. So you don't want everybody getting in. But there are not enough people in there for for at least in my opinion, there's a lot of people who you could vote for. And uh, at least those two guys with plenty of others, Jeff Cirillo among them, plenty of others that you can mention who deserve to be in there as well. Yeah, I vote Cirillo's on my ballot too. Everybody you've mentioned is on uh, is on. I I guess I can say who I vote for. Should I should I, should I unleash what my sure. votes are? Okay, Bamber, Caldwell, Cirillo, Hart, Ogilvy, Plesac, uh, Scott Sheets, Simmons, Slayton, Vaughn, Vukovic, Weeks. Very good. That's uh, ben Sheets, one of my favorite. Ben Sheets is one of my favorite players of all time. I would I would vote for him three times if I could. He is he would definitely be on my list of, of players. I didn't even realize he was quite eligible yet. He has been eligible for a couple of years, so yeah. uh, so I I don't know why he's not in yet. He is arguably the best pitcher in Brewers history. I think arguably because I think the answer to that I I think it is Teddy Hagera. But Ben Sheets is is like next, and if if not Sheets, it's Caldwell. So like put those guys in the Walk of Fame. Just, yeah, just get absolutely. back. Yeah, you go look at the numbers on Sheets, and I don't think – like for me, and I, I didn't grow up in this area. I, I clearly remember when he was pitching, but I, I think I when I first put him on my ballot and doing my kind of initial research on making those decisions – and when I'm doing this, every year the way I do it is I vote for everybody that I voted for the year before, and then I go back in on everybody else and, and just kind of go through it and see whether or not I'm – I'm missing something, and I, I try to find reasons that it makes sense. So whenever whenever I first put uh, uh, sheets in there, which may have been the, the first year I voted, um, I, you look at his numbers and you look at the where he stands in Brewers history and some of the things he did. Clearly, you're you're exactly right in everything that you just said. All right, uh, Jr. What uh, a lot of Packers stuff from you uh, these days, right? Oh, definitely. We're keep, keeping up with everything going on there. Uh, I've been doing a series on the. 2010 season, 10-year anniversary of the Packers winning the last Super Bowl. That has lined up very nicely, given what they've done here uh, this season. So I've been doing a game-by-game, week-by-week recap of of what they've had going on. Um, been doing some of the playoff games. Just just like looking back at the at the 2010 season, doing a deep dive into every game. Lots of uh, you know, lots of just yeah, Packers stuff in general. There's all there's all kinds of comparisons, all kinds of discussions uh, that uh, that, that I've been been trying to contribute to and i'm sure there'll be a lot this weekend as we head into the nfc championship and you know beyond that we've got my weekly podcast with jim ozarski looking at the milwaukee bucks jim ozarski's our new journal sentinel beat reporter covering that team so plenty of that we'll have more brewers podcasts too tom audrecord going forward here i don't know uh, <laughs> i'm hoping there's some news soon so we can actually discuss something uh right now we i don't know if daniel robertson and jace peterson would quite be enough to, to do a whole podcast episode no offense to those guys uh, so, so that'll be out soon as well. You can find those in the, uh, you know, iTunes, normal places. You can find both of those podcasts. Are you incredibly disappointed that uh, we did not spend this entire podcast breaking down those signings? Uh, I couldn't even tell you a lot about them. To be honest, I don't even know if there would be anything for me to say. Like, yeah, they, those were signings. They happened. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
All right, uh, make sure to follow uh, JR on Twitter at JR Radcliffe, R A D C L I F F E. JR, this is great. Appreciate your time, and uh, we will not go as long this next time uh, getting you back on. All right, sounds good. Matt, we'll talk to you real soon. JR Radcliffe joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that is just about going to do it for the show this week. My appreciation to uh, JR for being tuned in. Just a programming note for you, for those of you who uh, do listen to the Brewers weekly show every Thursday night on WTMJ, the Bucks are playing a game this upcoming Thursday night, so there will be no Brewers weekly this week on WTMJ, but we'll be back with you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.